Hola, hola. Welcome to the Bruja Broadcast. This is Dion. And Sasha. Join us today as we serve up some Brujeria Latina with a side of astrology and herbology bundled with some stories and sass. Hola, hola. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. And today we're going to be talking about El Dia de los Muertos. Sí. And one of the reasons that we're dropping this mid-October mm-hmm. and not towards the end of October is two things. So that anybody that feels like they want to explore this um, feast, because it's a feast and a celebration, mm-hmm. um, this year will have time to prep yeah. and get their materials together and, you know, their space and set everything up. And secondly, we didn't, didn't want it to come down like um, our next one's sort of like near the Day of the Los Muertos. Is it yeah. the ninth? Yeah, or yeah. The, it's like the... The 30th, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So the next one is going to be, like, when it's already happening. So if you had wanted to set it up, you wouldn't have been able to set it up properly because you have to start setting it up on October 28th. Yes. And um, secondly, we didn't want it to be, like, oh, the other Muerto Halloween because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it is not. It is not. And so um, we wanted to do this before just to give everybody, like, time to prep and also to make sure that we have, like, a physical separation from like the mentality where because i mean i'm sure you've heard Dia de los Muertos is mexican halloween yes right it's a half and that is <laughs> not true incorrect incorrecto although we, <laughs> yeah, we do enjoy ca- uh, candy at that time though right sweet treats yeah yes but I unrelated mean, it's unrelated and it doesn't really um go with the same spirit i i think that it's very interesting and we've talked about this in other episodes how so many like it doesn't matter where you're celebrating or when you look at different cultures there are similar um things happening during the, the yeah. time of the year and so this tradition comes all the way back from the Her- aztec heritage before colonization and then you know the catholic colonizers came in and they gave it their own spin they were fabulous storytellers i would say sure <laughs> sales people <laughs> sure and sure and if you didn't want to buy it they'd whip you on, but you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so but um if you look at it you know just like it's right now like in the pagan celebration it's the thinning of the veil mm-hmm. it's when like spirits can come in and they can um congress or where it's easier for us to be able to start communicating with those on the other side of the veil for those that have pagan traditions, if you look at um, Dia de los Muertos, which we're going to explore more in this podcast today, it's about welcoming in the spirits of your ancestors and your past loved ones. If you look at what the Catholics um, redressed it as, right. um, it's the day of all the saints and all the souls day. Mm-hmm. So very similar. And I think in the cult- in the Chinese culture, it's the day of like the hungry souls. Really? Yeah. So like when you look at it, different places in the world celebrating the same thing. Uh, must be because something's happening. Yes. Like the spirits are coming back. <laughs> and I do know that the Catholics did really change the dates on the um, mm-hmm. the Nawa, the Aztec people. And the thinning of the veil in Aztec traditions starts in August when the marigolds, when Simpasuchil really starts blooming. Nice. That's when we start opening ourselves up to our ancestors. Yeah. And so I had heard that it wasn't exactly like November 2nd, which is the day it's celebrated now. Right. That it was probably, but I thought it was probably closer to the autumn equinox or something. Well, the age because was a very long. It was a long celebration. Yeah, yeah, because it's when like the veil starts thinning. Right, like everywhere. Yeah. Right? So, and but it makes sense with the sem, um, the sem patchouli. I can't sem- I say patchouli. <laughs> I add more syllables than it needs. <laughs> I start fine. Simpa. Because you love patchouli. Yeah, <laughs> it must be. 
Um, but yeah, so we do know that it's kind of lost, like the whole tradition coming from the Aztecs is fully lost. There's some elements that are still there. Yeah. Like some, um, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the levels on the ofrenda, on mm -hmm. the altar. And what we've heard is that seven is what used to be pre-colonization. And those were just like the different destinations mm -hmm. that the soul had to go through or the different like trials that they had to go through before they could um, have eternal peace or eternal rest. And then with the Catholics, which we'll talk about it, it's kind of three, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah. You can make it pretty, many. yeah, pretty much three. Pretty much three. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get into it. So, what do you want to add before we get into it? Um, I don't know. I think we can just go. So, Dia de los Muertos is an ancient Mexican tradition. It's celebrated in um, a lot of um, Latin countries around the world. Spain. There's even a reference to Spain in there. Um, it is not a Mexican version of Halloween. <laughs> On Day of the Dead, it's believed that the border between the spirit world and the real world dissolve. During this period, the souls of the dead awaken to return to the living world to feast, drink, dance, and play music. Music and food are like the best part of this. The, yes, and that's why um, I mentioned that it's a party. It's yeah. a celebration. And I think that one of the cool things that um, people that have not celebrated Dia de los Muertos before can look at it as they're... Um, you know, trying to experience it for the first time is that it's not your traditional, you know, somber look upon death. It is very much a uh, celebration. It's yeah. like death isn't the end of it. It's like, you know, it's a different stage and life is in cycles and now you're in a different cycle, but, you know, we can still get together once a year and party. And know? it's a beautiful way to talk about death. I, my son's very young now, but I have, you know, people on our altar that, he won't meet, but every year I get to tell stories and like, this is what I remember when I was a kid growing up and da da da. And it's a very amazing way to share the beauty of moving through the stages yeah. of life. Yeah. So then, so it's a healthy way of connecting with ancestors as well and not seeing it just as something like detached or that you don't have a connection with. And it's interesting that you mentioned the storytelling because the storytelling is very important. Yeah. You have to remember them and by remembering them um, you should speak of them and one of the things that um, is recommended is that you set up the altar with your family so that you guys like can yeah. have a festivity and like a happy memory like setting it up and while you're setting it up you're not just collaborating making it a lot easier but you're also like starting up on like that calling them in because yes. you start remembering them and talking about them and so forth yes okay um, ofrendas can be decorated with candles, marigolds, uh, red cock combs alongside food. A stack. So I do my people's foods. Like my mm -hmm. father had, he drank Coors Light, so I always have a Coors Light for him. And then I'll make something special for him um, sweet-wise. Uh, my husband's aunt was a really big Chicago's Cubs fan, so mm -hmm. we have a little bit something for the Cubs on there for her as well. But just anything that like really helps with that storytelling is pretty right. big. So um, just just to recap, right before we jump more into the whole altar, I just wanted to go back um, and remember that when the Catholics colonized, they have the Catholics have two separate holidays. They have eleven um, November first is the Children's. Um, it's it's the All Saints Day, mm -hmm. which is to remember all the souls of all the children that have passed. And then they have the All Souls Day, which is everybody that's passed, like all the adults and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so those two days is what they sold as <laughs> the same as, you know, the Dia de los Muertos. Right. And that's what they said. Oh, this is the same thing. Come on. Yeah. And that's how the And now 
most of the ofrendas or the altars that we see are very Catholic influenced or mixed yes. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think that's something important to, um, to mention. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the elements that we would find on ofrenda? You just mentioned like the, the specific food, but I think like the more general ones like start like um like the elements okay so uh you're gonna see a lot of candles of course sugar skulls are huge and you'll have sugar skulls painted um not everyone does photographs and that's fine because we have not always had photographs Mm -hmm. so what we used to do is make sugar skulls and you put the name of the departed dear of your departed loved one like across the uh, forehead of the skull right because they represent the past the love the past um the one that the, the loved one that has passed yes. on. Jeez, that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and then of course it's going to be flowers. And I know some people like so for the certain days. So certain days, certain people visit, and a lot of times people will just put out sweets for the children, mm-hmm. and then they remove them for the altar. And then the next day they'll put out like the alcoholic beverages and for tobacco the for the adults. Right. Yeah. And we'll go over the days because, uh, like okay. we mentioned, it starts on October 28th, but we'll do that in a minute. Let's do the elements. So, it like in any altar, even if you're not noticing it, we do have all four elements oh, yes. represented. So, the fire element, obviously, is the candles. Mm-hmm. And then the water element is usually water. Yeah, you, or glass, several glasses several of water. Several glasses of water because it helps, it helps with the purity of the soul and it also helps to quench their thirst because mm-hmm. they've traveled a long distance to be able to arrive and, you know, visit you yes um and then the air is an element that's one of the most colorful ones which is el papel picado oh yeah mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. and then so el papel picado is basically it's like the it looks like tissue paper that has been hole punched into shapes yeah would that be uh-huh. like accurate <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a little banner flags almost uh-huh. but they're all like what is that like we're cutting in the snowflakes when right, you do like that the, yeah. yeah yeah so it's, it's an arts and crafts project for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or you can, nowadays you can just buy it at the arts and crafts shop. Yeah. <laughs> and usually you choose colors um, that are the vibrant colors and we'll talk about those in a bit, but usually like the yellow, the orange and the purple are like really highlighted there. Yeah. And it's all vibrant colors and all like very, things that are very um, like fragrant and it's to make sure that every, they can find you, that right. your loved ones can find you. It's like neon signs. We're here. Yeah. Because there are no, you know, GPS out there. So water, air, um, fire, and then earth. There's ton because the earth is just the the flowers. Mm-hmm. But there's also salt that you put on the sun, you know, for protection and purity. And there's also like the fruits and then the foods that you put out. So there's tons of um, different earth things. And in the air, besides the papaya, there's also incense. Yeah. Yeah. So and usually it's copal. Oh, absolutely, copal. Copal yeah. is directly related to ancestors. Right. So yeah. Okay. Um, so then that's the first thing that we'll have with an altar. Mm-hmm. The next thing is that they're usually an arch of oh, flowers. Yeah. yeah. And the arch is sort of like a doorway. It's sort of like a portal. It's like saying, Hey, this is the way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's usually made with the marigolds mm-hmm. with the intention of them being fragrant and bright and to be able to call the attention it's like this is the door yeah it really does look when you see altars they'll really look like pathways Mm -hmm. for someone to go down yeah they're they're lined up it's like a pathway and then the arch at the end Mm -hmm. and then the altar is like underneath that arch and so you'll have the the arch which is you know it's the portal it's the entrance there'll be levels Mm -hmm. which we've been we're going to discuss just three levels in this um episode like we mentioned, there are traditions where there's the seven levels, and the seven levels do come or are more directly tied to what they used to celebrate, um, the pre-colonization, 
but um, we don't have that information (laughs) (laughs) or that practice because, you know, we come from countries that are more Catholic and um, indigenous mixes than anything else, okay? And then we'll have the, what else we'll have? Obviously, we'll have the sugar skulls, which you mentioned, and the pics of the people you're calling in, and the food, and the drinks, and uh, religious items. Yes. I think that's everything that's on it, okay? Mm -hmm. Now let's go to the different, like, levels. Yeah. you want to go to that? So I have three levels in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's not, and that's pretty personal to me. Mm Um, I don't really have it designated in a Catholic way where it's heaven or purgatory or earth or anything. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. I have levels where I've got ancestors uh, that I've never met but I know of and I know are with me. And then I have friends and family that I've lost in my lifetime. And then underneath that, I do have a separate space for a child that I lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the three, and also like the highest one is like the furthest one away from right. them because it's more distant because you don't know them. Yes. Right? And I think that ties in very easily to the ones that the, like the Catholic version, which the top one is like heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's usually where you'll see. So if a person is like a, um, if they're practicing Catholic or because, or if they're like, you know, a mix or they're not purely like brujas like we are. Yeah. Um, that's where they'll have all their religious iconography. So okay. they'll have the saints, they'll have the cross, they'll have yeah. everything religious will be at the top level because it's giving it the most honor. Right. But it's also the um, the top level is supposed to represent heaven. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, that oh, space up there, whatever that we can't really like touch. Right. And so you'll have everything and like if they, if they might have the virgin because anybody that's like a saint or anybody that intercedes for them, it'll be at that top level. Okay. Okay. And then the second level, you have it for the people that, that you I, knew but you lost. Yes, that I've lost in my life. And then the people that you know and you've lost are usually, it's that it's that you, bittersweetness. It's more bittersweet because you, you know, you would grieve for them, but this is actually a time to like celebrate mm-hmm. them. And so it goes well with what the Catholic version is, which is like it's limbo, right? right. It's like oh, it's more, and it makes sense because you're like kind of in between two things. What's up? Oh, nothing. Oh, and then. Um, some people call it purgatory. I don't remember my Catholic classes, what purgatory was, except for lost souls go or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and there is a lonely soul day, and I'm not sure if that, I'm not, I don't know why purgatory would be represented I, on I'm that. Well, purgatory, I don't know why it would be represented on your, well, I mean, unless it was like for suicide people and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Because yeah, they yeah. don't, they can't right. set to heaven. That totally is what it, that, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And so it's probably that. Um, but you still want to remember them, you know, right. it's still your aunt is still important to you and so forth. And you, you know, you still want to remember her, but she's like never going to get to heaven. So she can't be like on the top level. So, but I, th- I like it with your personal, um, practice where it's the middle one. So it's where there's a little bit more of confusion, right? Between yeah. the emotions. Right. Um, and this is something that we've said in, you know, maybe every single episode, Magic is very personal, oh, yeah. so you can you don't have to look for a picture of what it looks like online and copy it exactly. The important thing is these are the main elements. These this is what those elements represent. But when you go and set it up, set it up in a way that makes sense to you, both physically. Like if you live in a five hundred square foot apartment, you're not going to do an ofrenda with three levels because right. where are you going to sleep, right? <laughs> But also, um, you could just do a little table and put the main elements like the the copal and the marigolds and stuff like that and the pictures of your ancestors. But, um, yeah, so that that was one of the things. And so here we're seeing, like, what the Catholics do or what the norm would say and then, like, what Dion's actually doing 
which, you know, we can see the, the personal practice, which is cool. And then the lowest level, you put your child that you yes. um, lost. I'm sorry. And that's the most emotion. <laughs> it is. And yeah. why? It's also earth. Yeah. And where do we feel everything? And where do we feel good stuff and bad stuff? And hunger and also... In her stomach. <laughs> Don't rub me. <laughs> okay. Can't touch her. She'll bite. That's true. <laughs> and so... Um, so yeah, so it's Earth, and, yeah. and it's also things that only matter while we're here on Earth. Mm-hmm. Because if you believe like in the Catholic version, then eventually you'll be with that soul again, right, at a higher level. But yes. you're the one that's like stuck on Earth, right? Right. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, so we have the three levels. I think that's the important thing. Yes. And normally, when you set up the altar, you'll put. Do you do black um, tablecloth or white? Um, I, so last year I had a white, uh, desk, so the bottom was white mm-hmm. anyways, and then I got from the dollar store, I got, like, some, uh, serape type of, serape, like, mm-hmm. paper, and yeah, used that, the paper and then I have a rebozo, then I use that for special things as okay. well. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, so I, I had conflicting information if it was supposed to be white or black, and I was like, I don't know. No, I've only, I've seen more white, White, I think. right? Yeah. Because it's, like, heaven or whatever, or, like clouds or something it looks nice it looks nicer yeah especially since you're putting bright colors on top of it yeah the black can kind of look a little yeah yeah um and then other things that we're gonna be putting down then um do you want to talk about pan de muerto oh yeah go ahead so uh pan de muerto and atole are two very traditional items um it, so bread of the dead is like a sweet tasty uh, bread that is super fragrant and smells really good mm-hmm. so and you usually put oranges or something in it yeah um, and that is a super traditional thing that's left on the altar as an ofrenda. And um, and then the atole is like, it's like a chocolate mm-hmm. cinnamon, but it's got a little bit of a spice to it. Yeah. Also, like, very fragrant, super delicious. Yeah, the fragrance is, like, number one here. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you know about the shape of the pan de muerto? The, the, the way it looks, like, physically? So, it, so it's a circle mm-hmm. because it represents, like, life cycles and being a circle. And then at the top, it's divided into four for the four elements. Yeah. Oh. And then the, if you look at it, the it's like bones. So it's like the bones from the four um, extremities. Oh, my gosh. And then the little dots are supposed to be um, lagrimas, tears. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. I had no idea. That's yeah. so cool. I mean, I, I can't cook, but shit, I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> so That's so I've yeah. never heard so that. So, it, it, I mean, a pan de muerto that's being made, it's being made with intention. Mm-hmm. And it's being made, like, to represent these things. And here in, and well, in any area, unless you live, like, out totally in the boons, you should be able to go to any Mexican herbosteria and buy pan de muerto. Yeah, I knew, like, the shape, and I know yeah. the general look, but I didn't know yeah, the reasons so behind that, it. Those are the... How cool. How it looks. Okay. Um, okay, then you want to start with the dates? Yes. Okay. All right. So, in a way, Day of the Dead is a misnomer. The principal celebrations actually take place beginning October 31st and end on November 2nd. In addition, uh, special categories of deceased are honored on preceding days. On October 28th, those who died in accidents, suicides, homicides, and other violent deaths are honored. October 29th is for the unbaptized and October 30th is for the lonely soul. At 3 p.m. on October 31st, the angelitos, or the children who died after being baptized, arrive to visit their families and depart the same, wait, 
At 3 p.m. on October 31st, the Angelitos arrive to visit their families and depart at the same hour on November 1st mm -hmm. to, to, to permit the adults to visit. From that time until 2 p.m. on November 2nd, families decorate the tombs and cemeteries and spend time with their family members buried there, sharing offerings of food and drinks with friends and relatives. So that's a pretty important thing to um, talk about. While you do start your in-home altar on the 28th, it's important to visit the cemetery of the loved ones typically on the 2nd. On the 2nd, which is the other home Yeah. Okay. And, and if you've never gone to the cemetery, it's on November 2nd. It's absolutely beautiful. We're all there. There's usually several guitars, and people are singing, and it's amazing. Yes, and usually they start, like, um, like they stay overnight, right? Yeah. And it's a party all night, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oof, okay. I think we got it, right? Yeah. So I think the most important thing, so, you know, yes, it is a Mexican tradition that comes from, um, you know, pre-colonial times. The Nahuatl people, the Aztecs. Aztecs, Nahua? Nahua. Nahua. But it is, you know, it's not disrespectful for you to partake in being, in participating in the Adolfo Muertos as long as you understand yeah. that it's not a Halloween, that it's, you know, no. not just normal ancestor veneration, which is, this is different than your regular ancestor, you know, veneration or altar that you may have in your house. It's like going out a little bit more. It's like a party, right? Yeah. So, and it really is. You're really inviting all those people back to your home mm -hmm. and the energy changes. It's different when you start talking those yeah. stories and cracking yeah. those beers yeah. on your altar for your loved ones. It's weird. It, it, it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> yes. And they, um, and then, yeah. So, and then as long as you don't like act like, you know, you know, you know, yeah, I think that the other Muerto has extended itself internationally. Yeah. And as long as it, as you're observing it with the correct intention, intention yeah, with yeah. like a good feeling. This is to it's honor fun. your loved and ones is, and to and celebrate I mean, life. There's tons of people on the other side, and they all want to come yeah. over and party. So <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yeah. So open up your house and have them visit. Okay, I think we're good, right? Yeah, we're awesome. ready for astrology. Astrologia. Dun, dun. Oh, and if you have any questions, give us uh, an email, uh, thebrewhousebroadcast at gmail.com, and I will have that, make sure I have our email in the notes. Okay. So let's get into astrology. We are doing astrology from October 9th through the 22nd. Um, October 9th, just to get us started, is the full moon in Aries. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so... You know, Aries, you know how they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're Fire. a little fiery. So we're going to be getting stuff done? It could be because there is a good trine. There's a grand trine between the sun, Saturn, and Mars, which is really great aspect um, to have things come to fruition, especially projects that you've been working on for a long time, like to have them come to fruition. But um, Aries is also a little primal, mm -hmm. right? And the energy is a little, you know, full moon. It's a little raw. Raw, and then Chiron is um, very activated. Oh, no. He's in. I mean, he was in Pluto the day before. I mean, no, he was in Pluto just a, a, like a week before. Now he's in Aries. He's gonna be in Aries, and he's in retrograde, and he's activated. So it's just like. And then okay, and then what's really important is that eclipse season is starting in two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So the next moon after the full moon is going to be eclipse season. Uh -huh. So this is just like anything that you see that this Aries, because you know how Aries is, they come in and they kind of like mess things up and then they leave and they don't even notice. And they forgot about it because they're like, fine. They, they got over the, or if they get angry, they didn't get angry for three minutes. They, and then they leave and they're like, cool. And the other person's holding a grudge for a couple of years, you know? Uh-huh. 
And they're just like, they, they're like, I have no idea why they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea that they stared the pot and left, you know? Um, so that energy is coming in on that full moon. There's a lot of, you know, I raise this cardinal, so there's a lot of energy of go get them, go do. And that trying that I mentioned, Saturn, Mars, great, and the sun, great energy for getting stuff um, coming to fruition, like seeing it come out. But um, what you may see is that a couple things may start to unravel. Mm-hmm. And anything that you see that kind of, kind of unravels or feels a little off or something like that, that is the shit that's going to be worked on during the eclipse season. And the eclipse season is going to run for... It's usually about six, and so it'll be like four, so it'll be like the rest of the year. Okay. Yeah, so like November, December, Dang. and then I'll be back in May and June. Okay. Um. So yeah, so that's what we have for the ninth. <laughs> now let's do the tenth. The tenth is gonna be in Ven- is gonna be Venus is gonna be in opposition to Chiron. So if any, you know, so that Chiron I just mentioned, he's in retrograde, he's in Aries, it's in, in uh, it's in opposition to Venus. So there might be lots of triggers in relationships. There might be a lot of hurt coming up in relationships. So that's, you know, if anything starts to unravel in its relationships, that's what you have to work on. Oh, um, Mercury is going to be in Libra, going into Libra on the 10th, which makes it a little bit more talkative. I call it the talkative horse. <laughs> and then, because it wants to know about everything, but doesn't really want to make any decisions. And then the, what else? Communication is going to be flowing, a little more social butterfly because of that Mercury and Libra, okay? The 11th, we have the sun is trining Saturn, which is basically you're the boss. And Mars is squaring Neptune, which is a little bit more of a lower, um, like a lower vibrational uh, transit. Because Mars is fire and Neptune is water, and Neptune is like let's Netflix and chill and mm-hmm. smoke them, uh, and smoke while we Netflix and chill, and Mars is like let's go out and run you know a twenty six k and then <laughs> um, go to the barbecue that has the invited you know guest chef or whatever right they're totally different so when you put them together they kind of like null themselves out and make the other one feel bad okay right um, and there may be it also. And then when you don't want to deal with something, right? And so you want to deal with your obnoxious family <coughs> member that only wants to go out and do and do and do, when you, but you don't want to tell them that you're a loser and you're sitting down and going to just Netflix and chill and have a couple of edibles. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You're going to lie. Uh-huh. You're going to tell them something else. Oh, no, I got to do this or something that sounds reasonable. Like I got to work or something like that. So those lies may pop up and like, oh, oh no. Yeah, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So that's the 11th. We're only on day three. Oh, my goodness. The 12th, um, we have Mercury in opposition to Jupiter. The moon's going to be void a couple hours there, like 3 to 10 p.m. And this is the third time that, um, so remember that Mercury was in retrograde. It finished its retrograde on the 2nd. But in this period, we're still going through what is called the shadow, where Mercury is still going over what it already did so that it could go forward into new territory after the 16th. So on the 12th, it's going over a point that it already went through during the Mercury retrograde. So whatever you had up in Mercury retrograde that supposedly was decided mm-hmm. is going to come back. And it's like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not really decided. I really, let's revisit that or let's look at this again or whatever. And then you have to like bring it back up. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, I know. And then, um, so just uh, big ideas need to be tweaked and, you know, that's what's coming up. The 13th, Venus is trining Saturn. Um, and this is good for investments and it's good for trying to analyze your feelings because they're both going to be in air signs. Okay. 
Then we have a huge void on the 14th. It says, I don't know. I mean, if I understand my handwriting, it says 9-11-9-11. Oh, so 12 hours? Yeah. So that's pretty long. Entonces, um, on the 16th, we have the moon going into Cancer. I usually don't talk about the Cancer, but if I put it in, it's because of something. Ah, there's a square between Chiron in Aries retrograde with the moon and, and with Mercury in Libra. Okay. So Mercury, ticka, 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 I want to talk about her things, and I want to talk about her emotions. And Chiron, like, I don't want to talk about my emotions, but I can punch <laughs> you out because I'm let you know how I feel. Um, so it's a pretty hard day in everything that is it has to do with feelings and you know, I'm feeling a little hurt, feeling a little abandoned, and then like the fiery energy of like, yeah, this is how I kind of bite the hand and that makes me feel bad. So that one is not the coolest day, and then the moon is in Cancer, was just like crybaby, you know? So, yeah. So that's why I think that's why I added the little message. That's where my moon is. That's where your moon is in, <laughs> in Cancer. Yes. Oh, you poor thing. Then the sun, um, on the 17th, the sun trines Mars, which is good for doing things and feeling confidence in yourself and good for achieving success. On the 18th, the, and it's a Monday, so it's like, oh, I'm going to go slay this week, you know? Nice. That's kind of the energy. It's like, ah, I was a crybaby yesterday, but today I'm going to kick my butt into gear and I'm going right. to do stuff, you know? Then on the 18th, Mercury is going to trine Mars and it's also increased mental energy. So good. You keep on that roll, on that roll. The 19th, the sun is in Pluto, oh, no. is a squaring Pluto, which can be a conflict of egos or like people who like you know clashing ego clashes. Mercury is going to be opposite Chiron, so the best thing you can do Chiron is hurt. Mercury's communication, so journal the shit out of your emotions. Um, Venus is going to be squaring Pluto, which is like you are obsessive little stalker, and I don't want to see you in the rest of my life, <laughs> right? And remember, if it started to unravel a little bit earlier on the 10th, then, you know, it's coming back. And then the moon's going to be trining Mars, um, which makes you feel fascinated by certain people. It makes you feel like a pool for just certain people. So it's a complicated day, that one. Hmm. Like, so many things going on, it's like, where is your attention really going to go? 20th and 21st, not much going on. And then the 22nd, Saturn retrograde finishes in Aquarius, which is a great sign for Saturn. And then the sun is going to be conjunct to Venus, also a great uh, great um, transit that leads to a lot of harmony. Mercury is going to be trining Saturn, also a good transit. And basically what it gives you is the ability to be able to express what your goals are long term. Mm-hmm. And so all in all that day just basically makes you feel like you're headed towards success, that you know what the plan is, and, like, you can do it. Amazing. So that's a great day. That is a great day. Mm-hmm. Way to finish on a positive yeah. note. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Keeping with the theme this week in herbs, I am going to talk about marigolds, or Simpasuchil. The parts used are going to be the leaf and the flower. It's anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, antiseptic and it induces perspiration. Again, I am not a medical doctor, so please talk with yours before ingesting anything. It's used to treat fever and stomach aches. Magically, it's considered a masculine plant associated with the sun and fire. It's also associated with protection, prophetic dreams, help with legal matters, and psychic powers. Mayan priests wash their face and hands with uh, a marigold tea before ceremonies or before calling in spirits. Marigolds or Simpasuchil are highly esteemed or is very was highly esteemed in pre-Hispanic Mexico for its ability to heal many ailments 
In the 16th century, Francisco Hernandez reports that it cures a variety of stomach ailments, reduces fever, relaxes nerves, promotes uh, menstrual flow, sweat, and urine, added to a bath. It will help win respect and admiration. If a girl touches her bare feet to the petals of a marigold, she can understand the language of the birds. And lastly, marigolds in your pocket can be carried at court for a good legal, positive legal outcome. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with another episode the week after next. But in the meantime, you can email us at thebrewhousebroadcast at gmail.com. For me, Dion, you can find my artwork at lasprimasmaritas.com. Or for booking healing work, I'm at unusualhealing.com. Or sdlunacy on Instagram. Great. And for me, Sasha, you can find me on Facebook with Brujeria 101. And you can all find me on Instagram as Brujeria 101S. Because <laughs> somebody had the 101. And I also have Brujeria101.com. And there we'll have like um, response buttons that you can push to Amazing. book like palm readings or nail charts and stuff like that. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. 